edition of A Humanistic Perspective. As always, I'm your host, Chad Castilla, and today we have another amazing episode. But before we jump into that, I just want to say congratulations. This is episode number 50 of the podcast. Man, has this show been through so many phases and iterations. And today's guest, I'm so happy to be joined with. He is a longtime, longtime friend of the show, my best friend, a great man, a creator, an artist himself, and someone that I've just been stoked to meet back up with and have a chance to sit down in long form. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back the return of Jake Jonathan Dufresne. Jake, how are Jake, you? Jake Jonathan in the flesh. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Thank you. How are much. you today, Chad? It's been so long since I've even seen your face. I know, seriously. Like I'm like, this I'm is like the first stoked. time we're like we've talked on the phone, but like this yes. is like the first time that I'm like truly seeing your face. For the people that are listening, this is a Zoom video. So yes. yeah. Uh so what if what the I know we've talked over the phone, but like just to catch up, I guess maybe everyone who's been an audience and following the trajectory of the program, what's been going on? How's life been? How is how is the new pad out in Cleveland, bro? How, oh yeah, it's been it's been an incredible uh, journey so far. Yeah. Um, I I have a new job at a country club, as I've told you about numerous times, and uh, I I'm also a DJ for weddings on the weekend, um, and I am just starting a trivia host job at a bar um, on Mondays. No and the way. Funny thing is, and the funny thing is, I live. Um, I live on Mayfield Road and the Nitros bar that I work at is also on Mayfield Road, okay. as well as the country club that I also work at. So it's kind of <laughs> Wait, funny. Wait, all like, of them are on the same road? Yeah, all of them are on the same road and within like 10 minutes from each other. No way. And those, yeah, yeah, it's it's hilarious. Um, but How yeah, has shift been, coordinating been going? Shift like, coordinating? Oh, it's been great. Good. My my country club is very, very good at what they do. I mean, it's just a very well-oiled machine, I'd say there. I know. It's, we've been talking about the food, bro. How is the food? Oh, gosh. Oh, <laughs> it makes me appreciative of good culinary experiences. Because it's like, I don't know, like, I miss that. I feel like so many people mm-hmm. don't take that into, like, there's so much food, I feel like, in the U.S. that, like, when you get it, it's like... I don't know, like just not exactly appealing to look at. Like, sure, it may taste good, but it's like does not look at all like something I want in my stomach. Whereas like right. in European styles, it's like it looks beautiful. And I feel like that's how all culinary experiences should look like. It should look appealing to the eye. But not because of, oh, I know what this will taste like. You know, because like you go to McDonald's or you go to any of those places, it's like you're not appealed by the look of the burger. You're just appealed by I love all these calories. Get this in me. But like at a at a country club, it's like you take into so much more consideration the look of it as well as, you know, like it just makes me appreciative of how Europe does their food, too. You know, yeah, that's very I'm very interested, like. Do you think like it has to do with like, well, A, I agree with you that culinary art and that experience is so heavily defined by the food groups and how you present mm-hmm. them because the more natural foods, the more holistic foods that you're presenting and right. really almost, I see, I see biomimicry in food, right? 
it comes from the earth. So if you can make the plate represent or feel like its own piece of almost landscape or a part of the environment it came from, and you remove that. See, what you're too, talking about too and what I really think in the pesticides and the McDonald's thing is the process of making something preservable. It just, it takes the life well, out of yeah. it to the point where they have to put colors and dyes into it just to make yeah. them eat it. I, I mean, it's like... I don't know, like a lot of major, you could also take that same argument just to like a marketplace level, like Kroger mm -hmm. or something like that. Because like how European markets are, you, you know, like uh, produced is that like all the produce is like coming from local places and you're not getting like these extremely high quality products. Like the standards that Kroger has for all of their places, like all of their stores specifically is like, probably like no, no no it's actually higher than the usda so really? like the all the products that have to be have to be absolutely perfect in look uh, there has to be no blemishes like if you ever go into like any walmarts too they probably have the same standards and that's the reason why america is the way that it is but there's also a lot of things that have to go into those specific plants to make them the way that they are like McDonald's, for example, like McDonald's, like in order for you to get their fries, it, it requires this very specific potato that is like this specific type of russet that's extremely long. And that's how you're able to get the big array of fries whenever you order them. And there and the standards that McDonald's has are very, very specific. It can't have any blemishes or can't do anything with that. But there are so many that have the blemishes and all the marks but so what they do is, is that they put it in this, it's, it's, it's like a stadium sized dome. And this dome is filled to the brim with this specific like, pesticide to get rid of the blemish. But these potatoes, after that has occurred, they're not edible for like 30 days. And then they're able to be used in our uh, YouTube episode of Food Wars, where they sit down with the UK versus the American McDonald's. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Quite literally. There's like what 20 plus additional ingredients on the American versus the UK side. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it's, Oh yeah. And insane. also too, in all of the other places that you go to in the world, McDonald's is significantly more expensive. True. I mean, that's also because of import, but that's also the, the, you know, like you go to McDonald's like on occasion, Right. To be like, I kind of want a taste of what American food is like, you know? Right. Whereas Americans just abuse it. We do. We I mean, I've, do. I mean, we've all abused it to a certain degree, just in general fast food. Man, it's not I something agree. that we are all like, we're all guilty of at some point or another. 100% it's convenient. Agree. It's there. It's, it's something that I feel like is so untapped in the healthy market. Like Chipotle, I guess you could say, but not really because it's like, especially when it's understaffed or anything like that, it takes as long as, I mean, it's interesting the time period that we're living in too, that because of the labor shortages, a lot of these fast food places, I mean, it's honestly taking longer to go get something there than you would just ordering something off the menu at a, at a restaurant and picking it up. Literally. It's quite literally quicker to go to a restaurant than it is to go to a fast food restaurant. Yeah. It's interesting to see how 
the marketplace has been shifting in and out of the changes that have both been because of technology, but also because of COVID. Because I would yeah. say like COVID mm-hmm. hit initially, fast food soared, mom and pops died. But now because of things like this, right? People are having those uh, labor shortages mm-hmm. around the United States where fast oh, yeah. food restaurants are shorthanded, where you're seeing those signs, like we'll pay you a hundred dollars just to come in and apply. Like, you know, it's a pretty, it's a very fascinating time in regards to the market and the labor market in, in general. Uh, going back to the food thing, I've been dying, 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 dying. And I want to, as I develop and as I figure out where I'm living and what I want to do with my life, I want my own plot of land and I want to be sustainably farming because you can, yes. you can yes. cycle you understand, bro. And use you the understand. same land for all four seasons to grow different types. Like yeah, it depends right, on where you go season, the US. You, grow the, you grow your radishes and then you transition into your warm summer month, fruits and veggies, and then you transition into your fall and then the winter hits. It's, it's something that like, I also, I wanted like open, I wanted. So where would you say if, if, would, where would you go in terms of the U S where would you want to see? I still want to, I still want to do this land in either Canada, but I think. So how are you going to get land in Canada? Ah, oh, dude, I don't know. This is like a, this is more I of do. a romantic. Yeah. It's more of a romantic fantasy that I've been occurring, but it has been making me like, I do have a, I, I, do want to grow my garden this year and like i have oh, grown a garden in past season i think you should will. i definitely think you should yeah i mean I that seems like the honestly the best best way to go possible um what exactly can can be uh because like in canada because of the cold temperate climate yeah what exactly can you grow just because i don't know what can you grow in the winter time in the winter time, you can switch, you switch and you start your, you start your, you can start some of your outdoor plants indoor doing hydroponics and then you transition them out. But in the winter, you're not really cultivating on the outdoor land. It's similar, just like here in Illinois, you have the four right. seasons. You can start early springs, you do your radishes and your quick rooted veggies. And then right on top of those same plots of land, you transition to your summer vegetables, the long mm. growers, the warm ones. Okay. And if you really just don't use tractors and like use your hands and develop, like I'm talking small community plot size. Like I don't want anything too large and lavish. I want a size where I can feed 30 people for a whole year, which isn't actually that big. That's not bad at all. No, not not at all. No, that's something that I think everyone should be thinking about doing right now. Mm. If, if, If I were to tell anyone what you need to do, you need to learn how to make your own like everyone should learn how to make all the food that they need to know you know what this has been also like all the food that they have come to know that's what i meant to say yeah truthfully yeah no people i think we need to have a better understanding because we have lived we we are now living in a society where you don't have to know any of the food that you are eating think about that like you don't you don't understand, like, think about like how like 200 years ago, if you told someone, oh, yeah, I, I just go up to anyone and I can just buy any food at any time. And they're like, how do you know what's in it? It's like, oh, there's like stuff on the back. And people would be like, what's that stuff on the back? And it's like, oh, the suka, like all these preservatives are like, why would you put that in your body? What right. is like, they would be like confused. They would question like, you entirely. Yeah. Like we like uh, our natural ancestors from a like evolutionary perspective did not consume 
the types of chemicals that we do in the 21st century. It's just plain and clear. Like, it's interesting too, because where you're from, where your genetic line is from, and genetics is something I've been thinking about a lot in relation to plants, like cannabis plants, but tomatoes and everything. Like, if you get in the genetics game, both for manipulating human genetics, but also manipulating plant genetics, you're basically in a soaring industry. Like who knows where the future of genetics is going to go specifically. I can give you an example. I think I can like, tell you something that, that is the future to, to a certain degree is Moderna mm. about that. Go for it. Think, of, think about all the stuff. I, I mean, because of the vaccine, they're coming out now with an HIV vaccine, I believe that's coming out in like two years, I believe. Really? They're doing two years of studying on it. And then they hope that it will come out eventually in two and a half years, two to two and a half years. Mm. It's the beginning of the, um, you know, CRISPR gene editing to a certain degree. That's what they're trying to do with all, every single type of drug or enter every single type of disease mm. that can at least be um, genetic, like using the modified RNA technology. True. Yeah, no, gene, gene manipulation is huge because like for specifically like in cannabis, if you can start to just like we've been able to extract CBD, THC and do stuff like that, as we're able to expand research and really pin in on cannabinoid profiles, we can use genetic manipulation to really produce like a plant that has 100% THCV and that is it. Nothing else. No CBD, no THC. And How just, long do you think this... How long until this technology is like in the norm in the mass Dude, media? Would it's, you say it's it's a it's a matter it's a matter of who in the science field of genetic manipulation for that specific plant is at the forefront game and how fast they get that the the knowledge and the tech more accessible. So it's the same thing though with anything. Think about a tomato. Imagine if we could genetically manipulate two species of beautiful tomatoes to get the best aspects of both or wow. maybe we adjust the genes so that way the stems grow naturally quicker as we have less rain around us right as conditions worsen and become more scarce and more climate manipulated what if we could create genetic manipulation to the plants in a format yeah. that allows them to grow in relation to how the earth yeah there's so many there's so many there's so many amazing things that are able to occur honestly with this technology or this research that is happening just within genetic manipulation in general. Mm. Like it's, it's honestly going to be something that just like VR, us, it's going to be the next frontier. Yeah. Specifically for the medical world, for sure. Mm. It's just so insane how like in 10 years, 10 to 15 years, we could see like almost all like, known diseases as we know it to a certain degree destroyed right which is so crazy to think about that there's the potential at least for that to happen the fact that it will actually happen that's a different story truly but if this hiv um, vaccine like after two years of research is thoroughly researched you know i think it has the potential to do a lot of great you know do a lot of great strides honestly yeah, I have no, but, I have but no because it's been it. thoroughly researched. That's the reason. Right. I, I think no two years, I think two years in this time period is enough. That's mm -hmm. what I've come to realize of research. I, you know, I haven't looked into much of the data around that. So I would have to start to analyze that. But for me, like with, well, yeah, there's like, 
that's the thing. The data is going to come through time. Right. Exactly. I'm not saying that it should, it's going to be amazing or not. It could be a flop. It could not. What I'm saying though, is that it has the potential to be really good for society, but it could be a complete flop. Like they could find a lot of bad side effects for all we know, but that's going to come throughout the two years of research that they're going to do. And that's the beautiful thing about the science process is we need to, we need to be developing things and continuing moving forward and trying it. And then we just need to be measuring and allowing a curious ability to question every aspect of it. Oh yeah, definitely. Because that's really how you, how you have open and honest and true dialogue. And really, I think too, like, how data is analyzed that is something that truly over the last couple of months i've really seen a a need for a further understanding or like i've never thought about okay when someone when someone analyzes and gives a perspective on the data what were the correlations prior to that that lead to this finalized analysis of that version of the data because there's so many other perspectives who could look at the same data and have a completely differing view on it. Oh yeah. That's the reason why I feel like, yeah, there definitely needs to like be like a team, a a huge team of renowned scientists that are specialized in this to Mm. approve of it. Mm. That's the one thing that I need to learn more about is honestly, like how exactly how exactly does stuff get approved through the FDA? Right. That's yeah. stuff that I want to research more because I don't really know much about like how certain drugs get approved through the FDA and how certain ones don't. Like, did you that's see- something that I've really wanted to explore. I don't know much about it. So sure. like, I've never truly understood why, you know, there are certain drugs that I think have a lot of potential or just in general, like natural elements of the earth. Mm. that could be used you know so much mushrooms dude do you know how many species of mushrooms and fungi there are that have yet to be discovered or studied to a high extent in science we are discovering do you know there's mushrooms that exist that have been found to literally create new neurological pathways in the brain oh yeah you know you should talk you should talk to um you know david he knows someone that um studies specifically in uh mushrooms and knowing like by the look of it if it's edible or not that's awesome that is and and, and studying them and knowing which like mushroom species so you should definitely have a talk with him he would be yeah just like spanning away from even the ones with psychedelics like just no there's a lot of mushrooms no there's a lot of mushrooms in general that do have a lot of great benefits for you not ones that are have psychedelic elements to it you know mm-hmm. i mean there's honestly there's supplement pills that i take that are three different types of mushrooms that help with your memory and oh you and, take the genius and help pills? With yeah the genius pills yes bro i love them yeah they're great they're I great they're bottle. like yeah they're very yeah it, it naturally like just helps you focus it's like a great pick-me-up it's like mm-hmm. you don't even need coffee honestly you know no seriously it, it let it helps me cut coffee and i just noticed like a hyper vigilance like yeah. on it. Like I'm aware of so much more when I'm doing it. It's so, so nice. Yeah. I also recommend taking vitamin D pills. Great. Also. I'll have to, I'll have to look into that. 
I don't take a, I don't take a lot of lot of supplements. I've been lately, what I've been doing is I've been fasting throughout the morning, eating my first, like my breakfast at like one to two 30 ask somewhere in there. Um, or if I work, I'm just like fasting until like my lunch break. And then I'm eating like eggs and veggies and maybe some like bacon or alternatively ham or alternatively sausage. And then dinner, I'm usually doing like a veggie and grilled chicken in some form. Lately, I've been obsessed with doing like a a lemon pepper with like fresh squeezed lemon on it and like some oregano and parsley and then this lemon pepper seasoning and just doing that Mm -hmm. with the grilled chicken and some spinach with some garlic. Boom. That's been like, because it takes less than 20 minutes to prepare. I can get it. I can go into my fucking shift really quickly. It's ideal. Ideal. Wow. I gotta try. I gotta try a more quick, but honestly, I get, I get fed through the country club. So it's like, I wanted to bring that back up. So what do you think makes the food good? Do you think it's a quality of the ingredient or the artisanship of the chefs? Both. Mm. Everything in terms of cooking always comes with quality ingredients first. Mm. If you don't have the best ingredients, you are not setting yourself up for success. Two, uh, uh, shitty ingredients can actually work if you have a good chef. Mm. But when you have both, I'm not saying that our food is absolutely superb. But it's definitely like for country club standards, pretty good, I'd say. I've never had anyone complain about the food ever. That's pretty good. Not I'm a excited. Single. I would love to try it. See, see what I, I mean. would say, okay, if you like fish, we have two good options our cedar plank salmon and our blackened walleye. Mm, that sounds really good. Yeah, it's. Uh, both of those are pretty, pretty well, uh, you like a lot of people order those, I'd say in terms of dinner. Mm. How's music been going? What have you been doing with that? You said you've been practicing some more and stuff. What have you yeah, been I've been playing bass a lot more. Uh, yeah, my, my hands are a little bit tired. Mm. Uh, but are I've you getting the calluses now. Yeah, a little bit. Definitely. I can play right. some. I definitely want to play a lot more bass lines. I've realized like I just want to master the bass. Mm-hmm. Then I feel like through the through the calluses that I get through learning the bass, I will be able to pick up guitar. I feel like much easier because of that. Mm-hmm. It's just always hard for me to start anything in terms of something like the guitar or something like the bass. Mm-hmm. But I've had a lot of fun with the bass, just fucking around with it. You know? Yeah. Just what have playing. you been doing? Like, what do you well, like? what is your relationship with playing the bass? Like, what is that experience like for you? How do you, how, how would you describe it if, if you were to to describe it? I feel like it's how it should be with every instrument you do. Like I've, I, 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 I've started to enjoy it a lot more. Um, but it's just becoming one where it feels like you become one with the instrument. Hmm where it's like, I don't, I just stop thinking at all. Mm-hmm. And I just try to play what I think sounds cool. Like that's how I'm like self-teaching myself is just, what can I play that sounds cool? Like I'm not learning any like songs or anything. I learned one because I wanted to say that I could at least play that, but that's it. 
<laughs> I love that. That's cool. Um, what is your relationship like? How is do you think like your pitch and bass? Yes. Is there an interesting relationship yes. with that? Does yeah, it, it makes it a lot easier for me to hear bass lines. Once I okay. once I'm more proficient at bass, I will definitely be able to like hear bass lines more of songs. 100%. Like hear it once and know how to play it. I guess it, uh, maybe not like a few, but I feel like I would learn. I mean, it would take a while probably, but yeah, I want to get to that point at least. Mm. You've been exploring the neighborhoods of Cleveland recently. Do you want to? Oh, do you yeah. want to shout out or give uh, give your own perception and light of what it's like to experience the neighborhoods of Cleveland? Well, yeah, the East Side is so un, so underrated in terms of the amount of amazing neighborhoods. Now there are there are a few bad neighborhoods, I'd say, of Cleveland, but like mm -hmm. literally every single city that you will go to always has bad neighborhoods. Right. No matter where you go. What have you been doing? Like, what have you, is there any good bars or places you've been exploring? Oh, yeah. I've gone to, there's like a few walking distance from me, which is great. Um, there's one, the, the, the Fairmount, which is on Fairmount Boulevard. And then Parnell's is another one that I've gone to. I went to this one on the west side. Um, what was it? LBM. LBM. It was really cool. It was like, caribbean pirate like i don't know what the vibe was it was an interesting vibe though um but yeah it's been it's been quite fun though just doing all the insane work that i'm doing but also having a you know going out with friends i helped with a music festival also that was nice yes, bro what talk me through that experience yeah i mean yeah it was like a nice little um you know just a festival of like a, a few hundred people showed up but it wasn't like anything it was like uh people were uh what was it people were like just uh you know singing and stuff like that there were multiple acts and stuff like that but i was able to help at least for one of the nights but yeah it was just nice it was really just refreshing to just and also a lot of people have been coming over to just kind of like go through their songs with us and try to like help you know uh, produce it better and stuff like that and i've been learning a lot from my roommate chase because he's been doing mainly the producing but i'm learning a lot just from seeing how he walks the artist through the song you know like putting it down recording it and stuff like that mm -hmm. we definitely have learned like we need a lot more like equipment you know like in terms of trying to get a lot of like more microphones and you know a mixer that's or not necessarily a mixer but an eight like a sound interface. That's what it is. An audio interface. An audio and interface. Oh, audio interface because we're doing studio instead of live sound. Right. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been quite a journey, honestly, so far. And I can't wait to see how I progress more, you know, through my time here. It's mm. been very exciting nonetheless. Truly, I can imagine. Yeah. That's sick, dude. But, you know, okay, I want to ask a question, though, for you, Chad. So from the beginning, first episode, oh, good. freaking January to now. Holy cow. What have you learned the most through doing 1 to 50? That's a really good question. Hmm. 
Well, what have I learned the most? What have you what have you taken away the most in terms of from all the amalgamation of all of them? The amalgamation of all of them, I have so many. There's, it's a, it's a multifaceted response, truly. Because multifaceted been, response. Yes, because there's been a couple things. There's been like the strategic side of it. What I've learned from a developmental show production, mm-hmm. running a podcast element, but then there's also been like a spiritual and mental, emotional, personal growth development which has been so much more powerful i think than even the learnings of what it takes to grow the show but i i would say first and foremost how naive i am in regards to all of the many capabilities and facets of this world and how much there is to learn and how many topics you can talk about and being able to experience many, many, many other people's experiences of their life has so far, it's left me to be at my foundation trying to define and understand what my personal principles are. That was the biggest takeaway, I think, of this whole show so far. Wow. It's been how can you as a person find and develop the foundation of who you are so you're confident in expressing and interacting with the world and the atmosphere around you. And that has been a long, 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 weird, almost like picture book-esque. Like, do you remember the first like Nikon, like spinorama camera projector where you just click it and it shows you a different thing? I feel like when I remember in my Synapse episodes, there's key little things or takeaways that have all been like, branching together to weave almost this intrinsic personal spiritual journey and i'll I'll definitely i would like to write about that in a long form when i go back and analyze it because you have to spend so much time re-listening to episodes to really like get the breadth and depth of maybe where we were even trying to go with concepts and also taking a step back and like truly trying to be authentic that is something too that has been a not a necessarily a battle, but it's something that like, sometimes you just get so exhilarated in the ability to push a topic or to go in a direction mm-hmm. that you, you lose sight of like where the conversation was at, which has been something that's really interesting from a mental, emotional perspective to see. But then looking at it from that more analytical side, less like the emotional, spiritual side, it's been crazy to watch the trajectory of development of my ability and tactics with using social media, but also how, how my show and how I like to breathe my format and changing that because when our first episodes came out, right? Oh my gosh. We were at such a different point. Both of us were at such a different point in our lives. I'd say yes, yes, much different than what we are now. But the reason I would never take those episodes down is because that journey, the progression of character that you see, come to life through those episodes and through the change in format is something that I think is key to the story of my show. Yeah. Like some of the best podcasts, like the first episodes look like shit. Like think of like call her daddy, bro. Like the original cast was her and her friend. And that show is completely different now. Oh yeah. But it's, you know, it's fascinating. And that's the thing is like, 
That was a point in history too. Speaking of which, caller daddy, with yeah. your podcast host, your podcast guests. That was that was a moment in time. And here's the thing too. She she came to Chicago, and we were like, oh, how great would it be to try and get Aldo to go to her private event? Yeah, help exactly. That's just thinking smart stuff. Same thing with I wanted to mention too, because like I don't really care. Like my show is what I'm doing; it's my thing. I don't think anyone's really gonna change that or steal that but i'm starting to adapt a little bit and here's the thing here's one thing too a podcast is a chameleon your format has to be so loose and so open that anything can and will occur which is very exciting exactly and that's where i want to push the show moving forward past episode 50 not that i'm going to stray away from guests guests is the most guests has been the most pinnacle and fun part of it for me. I'm enjoying this so much. I don't care about that it's growing in its audience or that, you know, I'm really figuring out and defining what is like the purpose of the show and what what do I sort of want to do with it and, what, and how, I, how it runs. But just allowing it to be fun still and express any way possible is key to continuing the show. And so like, like Tiny Desk does with the live concerts, I, when I have artists on, I would love to have them do a live recording that's specifically for their experience on the episode oh yeah that would be manipulate that into the format of the show no that would be an amazing an amazing thing for you to do you should definitely do that yeah and i want to do i want to push the next level and boundary of where the science episodes go including you know i don't know how but i i don't want to spoil too many things because i but i have so many ideas really for what the show can be because really as long as it's interesting you can keep going and do it is there a specific field of science that you would want like a a scientist who studies in a specific science that you would want to get on your show first and foremost Uh, someone that is extremely proficient in a specific area can i say soft sciences soft sciences such as like psychology philosophy Mm, ideology yes but this person kind of bridges both. Godsad, I would love to have Godsad on. He is a marketing and human philosopher, but also like uses evolutionary biology, I believe, in his studies and the way he perceives the world. And he's also actually related to Ariel Hawani, who I don't know if we've talked about that before, but he used to work for ESPN. He was one of the major, major commentators for the UFC through ESPN, but he lost his role because of... I believe controversy surrounding the release of information that the UFC wanted to be private business. Wow. Yeah. But he, he thought that it shouldn't be because that was important to the precipice of both a journalism and B the art form that was UFC, the information that was being with, withheld. And so because of that, I think let him go. Yeah. I think he's got his own independent show now, but I'd have to check into that. Don't quote me on that. (laughs) <laughs> all right but Godsad, i think is on that list uh i would love to have on i want to have on more uh like astrophysicists and more very very prophetic math based oh i love i love who that just could really blow my mind who basically i'm just going to ask questions and see where you should have someone your analysis dude the the science that it took to just get someone on the moon when we had mechanical computers 
the fact that we can't repeat that for the same amount, if not more, to do it right. You know how much it was back in the 1960s to do to do that. I'm gonna give a really guess. Ten ten to a hundred million, somewhere in there, right? One billion. It was one billion back in the 60s. Damn. The amount of rocket fuel that they needed, I think, was like, uh, don't quote me on this, but I know that it was like, I think it was like 20,000 pounds Jeez. of rocket fuel. I believe it was like 20,000 pounds of rocket fuel. I need a, I need How to do you even this. get that much I'm doing of a, a rocket check, doing a check, doing a check right now just to make sure. Right. Yeah, you're fine. But like continuing on that thought, like, okay, so 20,000, how much does that weigh? How do you, you get you that? You have to think. You 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 have to think like how much that rocket ray weighs, and you have to and these physicists have or these physicists had to calculate how much force you would need to push up against gravity. <laughs> yes, to break the barrier and make it all the way to the moon. It's one of those things that's very interesting that we have better technology, but we cannot do it as easily. Okay, yeah. So I I was wrong. It's not twenty thousand pounds. It's two hundred three thousand four hundred gallons of kerosene fuel that they used for it. totaling over with also three hundred eighteen gallons of liquid oxygen, totaling over five hundred thousand gallons of fuel for getting out of the atmosphere alone. See, I wasn't alive during this event, but so much during the 60s era. Was, Isn't it crazy? Was, like the fact amazing. that we were able to accomplish that with computers that are ancient now. I don't know. I don't know, man. How were we able? Like, like the more you talk about the details, the more it becomes. Dude, they literally had a remarkable dude, that it was dude, possible. Um, one of uh, someone that I knew that uh, studies uh, very much uh, in in astrophysics um, he said that, like, I believe they only had like a few seconds left of fuel of on that rocket because they actually had like they couldn't land in the specific area that they originally intended. So they had to go a few hundred yards away and they only had a few seconds left of fuel when it landed. Jesus. What a major milestone in society. It was a major milestone and then like after the 70s we just were like okay we're done <laughs> yeah we'll never proven. do that again we've proven we can go to the moon like who decided that like we were like okay yeah we're just gonna stop stop doing stop doing stuff okay we're just not gonna do anymore like a fever dream bro it was like no a- like seriously it's like and now finally we're starting to utilize the moon again like okay thank god like it's it's about time that we started to actually not utilize the moon, but also just do more research and try to also explore the rest of the solar system. Right. I mean, we're starting to explore Mars, but it's like it's insane that like we look we look to like two thousand years ago and we're like, yeah, we're we that was ancient. Two thousand years from now, we're not going to be probably on Earth, so we are going to look ancient. What do you think about the theory that through the period of evolution, when, because if you think about it, it was only like a couple hundred thousand years that the human brain went from being like our close relative ancestor, the ape, 
to the size and capacity and capability that it is now today in 2021. I don't so understand how it works. Like, I don't understand that believe that because of certain mushrooms and fungi that were just being consumed by nomadic traveling, very starved species of human of, of, of evolutionary humans, that their consumption of certain mushrooms helped to create the spawn and impetus for increased rapid growth of the neurological ability of the human brain to the point where it is now that we see. Wow. Jeez, I didn't know that. Right. That's true. Insane, like, I was the other night I had, I was just laying in bed watching a movie and it was my octopus. My song. octopus teacher. You yes. watched it. I watched it Is and it- I, I finished the movie and cried. I literally was crying at the first off. I was crying for, I was crying for multiple reasons. The first reason was the beauty and the breath and the depth of the wild and the awesome ability of both biology and studying it in the wild field biology, whether that's, uh, um, Aquatic field biology, biology. Yes. field brain biology. brain biology. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's one. Of, it's so fascinating. And that place, the ocean, is terrifying. But the way it's described as a forest is just so, so brilliant. It gives such a romantic, lifelike character that is less apprehensive and less of an abyss, but more of a wondrous journey place that you need to visit. That was the first thing. But the second reason was the ability of that fucking animal dude like the evolutionary ability to adapt to its environment mimic everything I and know. the amount of predators it has to evade its ability to heal itself and just experience and then on the third part was the prophetic ability for this man to have such a kinship to this creature in that way was very 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 fascinating very wow. fascinating it just yeah it, it made me so, it could have been the high sativa i smoked and it was really late at night but i fucking bawled that's hilarious yeah that is hilarious oh my gosh did you yeah. watch the movie yourself um i i watched a few bits and pieces but i definitely need to watch it yeah it's brilliant it, it was brilliant i i thought there was some at first when i sat down to watch it i thought it was really cheesy but then I just sort of focused in and cared less about the dialogue and worried more about the creature. And then finally, the dialogue didn't seem as cheesy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was very fascinating. I liked it. I liked it. There was something else, too. There was another one I watched recently. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't know. I had a, I just had like an urge. I was like, I need to watch a good documentary. So I was like, all right, I'll pull that one up. Not that it's a great documentary, but I love, I love observing the planet and just making correlations and observations. Like, and how example, similar it is. I mean, yeah, octopuses are extremely smart. They're one of the smartest creatures. Oh yeah, probably on the planet. Seriously, so brilliant. Like I was watching the other night this uh, lightning storm as it came over the sky, and. Oh, and I bet where you are, you can see it like really vividly, vividly. And just, it's so fascinating, like the play of the lightning and how it sparks and shows just this 
always wondered how blotch of clouds in certain areas. Oh, I agree. I always wondered what exactly causes lightning because I still don't know. Like, I think it was taught to me in school, but I still, Mm. I don't know what causes electricity. We just naturally cause electricity. It's yeah. I'm not not 1.21 gigawatts of electricity. I was talking to a guy at work. I learned that. What would you think? I was uh, just going to say, I was talking to this guy at work the other day and uh, he, this gentleman at a separate counter just uh, mutters like, oh, something about, you know, you're not, I'm an electrician and I get shocked all the time, but I don't call it getting shocked. You're not shocked till you're dead, till it kills you. And then the guy at my counter goes, you know, it's very fascinating because like in his profession as an auto mechanic, they're having to become more and more like an electrician because right. of hybrid and electric, fully electric cars. If you're not careful and you don't know, and you touch a grounded wire with your skin, you're dead. And Tesla, he told me Tesla makes and sells to auto shops, this extremely expensive, all like uh, rubber pole that is specifically sold so that if a mechanic dies and is still touching the electricity of the car, you can pull them off. Are it's you a, kidding me? It's a pole they make and they sell to what? auto shops. Look this up right now, bro. Oh, hell no. Yeah. Because they're working with extremely high volts, like to the point where it will kill you if you touch the wrong thing. And so I just had never thought about the occupational expansion and the hazard of that industry and how there is old mechanics who will never budge in wanting to work on combustion engines and new mechanics who have to meld this weird world. I'm not finding, I'm not finding the uh, rubber rod. What did you say it was here? Let me look too. It's like, it's a, it's a rubber rod that Tesla sells to the auto shops to pull dead bodies off the cars. It's a long pole that's like a J-shaped hook. J, J hook for pulling. Where'd you hear this? From literally a guy while I was while I was actually bud tending at work. He was a mechanic. He's like, we have one at my shop. I should tell him to get a photo. It's just basically, so it's like this hook that is all rubber. So that way, because like if someone's being electrocuted, you can't touch them. And if someone were to die, it's a long hook. So you can step really far away and pull the body off the car. But there are reports. If you look like deaths from working on Teslas, like people are like, if they don't know what they're doing, they can die easily. Oh, yeah. It's only going to be harder for cars to be built or not cars to be built well i mean we yeah we kind of are seeing that with the chip shortage still you know how much a ps5 is right now like 800 dollars. wow that's like almost double the price yeah it's insane you can't get any new cars because of that yeah i know that like we're seeing we're seeing right now a very interesting time in the economy where like a few months ago, it was so easy for you to get any type of money anywhere. Money was just everywhere. And now if you want to apply for a loan or anything like that, it's like almost close to impossible. Yeah. 
we saw this we were gonna we saw this was gonna happen and it's gonna be interesting as like other forbearances i know they've a lot of them have been extended and such but as things start to give out how is how are things going to happen and how are things going to move forward and specifically in regards to these things like chip shortages and supply and demand like our current threshold is being completely controlled and it's very much out of the american hands very yeah, much it's honestly i don't know i don't know exactly how to think of it i mean i just don't know what exactly is going to be the you know the end all be not the end all be all but like eventually this is going to catch up on us in a way that is not good yeah i mean i've heard some, it's only a matter of time at this point seriously like i've heard some of the financial people speaking about like in a it's not unreasonable to think that like millionaire will just be the new middle class and billionaire will be the rich billionaire and trillionaires will be really rich and like everyone will just have to become a millionaire to survive just because inflation will catch up to a point where that's just what the standard of living oh yeah oh yeah that's exactly what's gonna happen and we're just chasing it's funny because money is like money is so contrary and nothing has felt more contrary about money than using apple pay and zelle pay and being literally like the other night we were literally standing at jewel we needed we needed three more dollars immediately lil zelled me and we had three more dollars in the account and we were able to finish our transaction in literally less than like two minutes all at the yeah, blockchain check i mean fintech in general is going it's going on such a boom right now and it's definitely going to play into whenever this economy crashes fintech is going to revolutionize how we do i mean but the question is though is that can we go completely cashless and will it be an absolutely horrible idea right because if none of our because here's the thing if you don't if you can't get out actual money you don't have actual proof of your money Mm -hmm. you could have that taken away from you in one hack Mm. But if you had money, like if you had it in cash, no one can take that from you unless someone like literally takes it. But your money is always vulnerable, though. Truly. And especially as Americans, we are like probably the most, the most vulnerable in terms of definitely more vulnerable than Russia or China. Mm. They have that stuff down way better than we do. They've been researching that way more. And that's the thing that is like bothers me about how we spend our money in America is that we spend so much on the military, but we don't spend a lot of that on cybersecurity. And that's just what I think is going to cause the next war is something that is not necessarily from a conventional place, but more from a cyber place. And I think Russia and all these hacks that have been happening within this year are all just messages of what's to come. I mean, it's so hard. Anything can be hacked to a certain degree, you know, no matter how much you invest. And so many people are vulnerable. So many people. Yeah, it is fascinating. And it's like, how exactly do we change that? How exactly in this world where technology is just getting more and more, more and more people want your information, want your personal information, how vulnerable are you to having every single bit of your information revealed to the world? Right. 
do you realize that on the dark web there is like literally pages upon pages where you literally pay in in bitcoin get information people's bank account information and everything yep it's so easy nowadays I, i mean like that's what or passwords or anything mm-hmm. like you should honestly like it probably shows you but if you go to your autofill passwords on your phone you will literally see how many of your passwords were in a data leak yep yeah so i changed my i changed that's my the reason passwords why like every... me apple i still i i still think apple is on the human side because they're at least doing things to make sure that you are aware of the things What's that are being on. tracked yeah they're very awareness based they want to make sure that you understand what is being tracked. And I think they understand at the end of the day, that's what the consumer wants. The consumer wants truth. They want understanding. Yeah. And I think that that is where Apple as a whole is going to very much play into the future of technology. Mm. It's uh, it's going to be an interesting time in terms of what social media is going to look like in 10 years, what all of I think social media is going to die. I think that if any, okay, if any, we're going to die first, what do you think would be the first one? What's your personal, what's your personal, like first one you're easily out already in, in your head. Well, I think Facebook's going to go. I think Facebook's going to go, but I think Twitter will go before Facebook. Oh, see, I'm already not on Twitter. So exactly. You have a Facebook, but you don't have Twitter. The only time I use Twitter is after a UFC fight to really yeah. like look and see what the hell's been going on. So you like have a Twitter, you just don't use it. Yeah, I, I always forget the password and I always have to like change my password every time I mm-hmm. log on. Of course, of course. But yeah, like, I don't know. I just think that social media, I don't know what exactly it's going to be. I think that there was potential talk that Apple was considering doing their own search engine or doing their own, because like, that's what they're trying to do with Safari, Mm. is really try to make it its own integrated system where you can search anything on there, you know, and I think that's a good system because it's also everything is, they don't collect anything. You know, that's what the goal, at least, of the search engine is. And I just feel like that's a much better world to live in. I mean, we already can get that with DuckDuckGo. It's a much healthier world. But the thing is, though, is that DuckDuckGo hasn't mastered the user interface like Google has. Mm. Google is so easy to use and so so much more user-friendly. The one thing that I will admit about Google is that at least Google admits that they're doing it. Like Facebook completely denies it, which I think is BS. <laughs> um, but Google at least admits to it and is like, why wouldn't you want a more personalized experience? It's like, you have a point. Like anytime I go on my Google app, I always see I always see stuff for Beatles, like all Beatles news, which is like, that. this is exactly the news that I need to hear right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to hear any of this bad news. Like, Sure, it may be important to me to know about the current events, but like, I don't need that shoved down my throat all the time, you know? Yeah, you're because yeah, I think that's the thing too is like, as of late, I've been really not focusing in. I don't have enough. I don't have enough time to worry about necessarily caring about every day the cycle. I'm right. I'm focused on specific events that occur at one 
minute moment in time, I might research it. But other than that, I'm working a lot on more interpersonal things. I'm trying to read a lot more and yeah. understand a lot more other people's perspective on the world. I need to read a lot more too, honestly. I oh, really dude, do. It's been so, so fun. There's a, there's a book that I've, I have held off on for a while that I really want to learn what or not it? learn, but read is David and Goliath, but it's a Malcolm Gladwell uh, book. Mm, I know exactly what you're talking about. I really want to read it. I know the beginning story. It's such a great story. Mm. I don't know it in detail, but the, the story of David and Goliath itself. Really? It's such a beautiful, beautiful story of the underdog winning through smarts. So what are you, uh, as we round out this year, what are you working on? What are you focused on? And then uh, I want what, to what are you excited about going into the next year. Going into the next year, I'm excited about actually starting my program that I am doing. Um, but right now, you know, I'm really just wanting to live my adult life. Mm. And just on the side right now, I just want to continue to just explore my musical interests. But I want to slowly bring it in more and more. So then by the time that I am doing the program, I'm fully like it's fully immersed in my life. And then I have that mm -hmm. as well. So because right now, like, I'm honestly, I feel like I'm in a really good place mentally. Like, I, I enjoy, like, I, like, I've, I feel like in 2020, I've, for a majority of my insecurities, I've sent my condolence mm. to my insecurities. That's what and I, what, could you elaborate on this concept for me? Well, I've just said farewell to any of this insecurities that I had about myself. Like, sure, like every once in a while, like I'll be stressed or something like that. Mm -hmm. But that's just also how I am as a person. Like, I just always am very caring about other people and want to make sure that I am the most caring person possible. But in terms of like my own personal insecurities where I used to like hate looking at myself in the mirror or hate the way that I looked or any of that, you know, I've grown out of that for a lot of it, you know, like, I feel like I'm much more confident looking into the other side of the mirror, you know, mm. I'm much happier with what I see back. Yeah. You know, and I feel like that goes a long way, especially when, when, with how you treat other people. I feel like now I would say I, I, I try to be more caring now. I try to be more generous to people because I want to make more and more people feel incredible. And that's just honestly my true goal in life is that I just really want to make as many people as happy as I can be, right. you know, because I, I, I really enjoy myself and I want everyone else to, I want everyone else to really enjoy who they are as a person. Mm -hmm. And I want to celebrate who they are as a person. That's the reason why everyone in my life, like, I want to celebrate who you are as a person. You know, that's the reason why I'm nice to you is because you are so, like every person that I am friends with. The reason why I'm so loyal and doing things for them is because I enjoy who they are as a person. They are such a beautiful soul that I just feel like I have to gift them, mm -hmm. you know, with care. I think even beyond that, too, when we've been having conversations, um, just the demeanor and your work ethic when you're surrounding yourself with coworkers and an atmosphere and a culture and oh yeah the activities that you want to be doing like djing dude you've been loving that 
Yeah, I've been. I have been. It's been really enjoying. Like it, it, that, that. That's the thing. Like I love putting on music for people to dance to. That's honestly also one of my true main goals as well. I mean, like I've come to realize, like the person that I really want to be when I grow up is not necessarily a producer. Like, sure, I would love to produce for any type of musician, but I honestly want to be a dance producer. I want to make beats. I want to make like I want to create ideally my own mixes and go to clubs but that's the thing that i have to figure out for myself is what is the future of that you know what i'm saying i think there will be a soar in the next few years of it of you know more and more people going out to live shows but i just gotta i gotta do a lot of research in terms of how to get into that because i love dance music bro and i know exactly how i would make it i would want to make it grandiose but not in a cheesy way. I feel like a lot of people, it can go very cheesy, very fast with dance music. I would very much want to, like Fred again right now is very much my inspiration to make dance music. His music to me, bro, is just so good. I love his album. Like I want to meet that now. Like, I'm not kidding you. Like he is by far like, uh he's 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 an artist that described that album because it was quite it was actual life well yeah actual life is one of the best albums because it just documents people that fred met in his life during that year and he made songs off of song uh, off of things that they said that he enjoyed all some of them were also like videos that he found on like instagram or something like that but they're all just such great tracks. And especially the one that he's featured on, like the one that's just him. That song is so, it cuts so much. Yeah, and it yeah. And I'm sure Chad, from like what you've been experiencing too with your life, that mm-hmm. song, I, you, you know, I feel like would hit hard for you, you know? Oh, it did. Uh, which one is that? Uh, if I was looking here, me, me, me is the one i've been obsessed with that song is really 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 good really really good that one hit home hard that one hit home hard i don't know which one is my favorites i i love the song we've lost dancing that's mm. a great song that's another good one also it's such kurt, a great house beat it's such a kurt, great house kurt's beat. recent album is really good too Who? Oh, kurt ellings oh kurt ellings put out a new track dude his new album is it's going to be fire. It's not all out. There's only three tracks released on it, but that's someone I'd love to get on the show. He's someone, oh, his no. whole process, just even the way he learns dude, his instrument, dude. the mechanics of how he sings. I just want to understand it way more. Dude, when Delta Sleep comes to America, you have to, have dude, to, have I to, have to. If they come to so Chicago, so you are getting them to do a podcast with you, hands they, down. Dude, their, their artistry, they're they're so good they're so their good style their vibe they're i want to meet them and the thing is that's crazy yeah. about them is like they're, really they're not going to be like a beatles level fame but they're such a good band though like they should be in my eyes right there it's it's like like their music to me seems like what should be popular today. but it's that's it's cool. also it's like musicians music it's like a music of a musician would appreciate right exactly yeah Hmm. It just it's, although their sound is, I I would say if people find them, their sound is extremely applicable. It could it could get radio play. It could. It easily could. Easily. 
they're still in the UK. That's the thing. Like they're kind of popular in the UK, I'd say. Yeah, like they're on a nice little tour. I saw that they're doing a little bit of bender right now. I would kill to go to England to see them. That would be insane. 2023, I'm going to Italy. I'm going to Italy in 2023. Really? Yes, I have to. I have to. Okay, well, I am going to go with you then because... Deal. I need to be your tour guide. I want to go for like at least... I would like ideally a month, but three weeks. Well, if we can make that happen, a month is going to be a lot to save up for. Yeah. I'm... But I would be down for it. I'm focusing. Totally down. I'd be totally down for it. You need to experience it for a month. That's the only way to do it. And you go through the entire state. You you go, you cut through the entirety. We start up in Venice. I met a guy. No, no, we cut across to Verona, down through Modena, then go, then either go to Cinque Terre. Yes. We're going to to Cinque Terre no matter what. No wait, wait, then, then we go to Pisa, then Luca, because that's the town that I lived in, then down to Florence. We don't have to visit Rome. We can we, if we want to. No, we have then to hit like Como. We have to go way up, way up. We have to go by Switzerland. I want to go to Lake Como. Oh, Lake Como is also beautiful. We could do that on the way after Verona. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of on the way. No, I agree. We have to hit all these spots. Yeah, it's gonna be it'd be a wild ass trip. Yeah. I wanna I wanna bring podcast equipment and a backpack so I can record with locals. You are gonna pay hefty prices for all of that. Oh no, I'm not gonna bring all my heavy tech, bro. I'm talking my phone. I have a setup where I can have I could be running two mics, dual mic system through my phone. No way. Yeah, so I'm just gonna bring extra batteries and maybe an extra phone. Oh dude, that's fucking sick, bro. Like that's I'm talking awesome. the type of setup you can take hiking. Because I wanted it. Oh, dude, when I tell you I plan on exploring the format of how the show is in the next season, it's going to be wild. I want to do some episodes well, of hey, just hiking I and am talking. Definitely, I am definitely coming on that trip. However long it is, you yeah. can count on me. I'm yeah. going to make sure that I can make that Minimum happen. two weeks, goal one month. A month would be solid. Ideal. Ideal. And I have to 2023 because I'm going to re-up on the language prior. You know what we should do? Because I think it would be okay, like yeah. We can plan this out another time. I just love planning, dream sure. planning for stuff. Sure, 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 sure. But the cheapest flight that you can get is usually New York to Paris. And then you can just take a train from from Paris to Italy for cheap. And it's a night train you can take, which has a bed. Okay, that's pretty sweet. And at most you're paying like a hundred dollars. It's not bad. No, that's not bad. Not bad at all. I want to... Uh, Especially you have the fact that you have your own place that you can sleep in and chill and watch TV and shit. Like, it's awesome. It's 100% worth it in every regard. And you can get food along the way. Like, yeah. And you get to see just Swiss Alps. Like, you're literally driving through the countryside of France into yeah. the Swiss Alps. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Well, and not into the Swiss Alps because it's not Switzerland, but... Yeah. yeah bro dude that's it's gonna be crazy insane. we gotta do hiking out there too tons of it oh totally that's the reason why i'm trying to take you to cinque terre it's the craziest hike you'll ever go on yep 
you're going to die, bro. You're going to die. when You, <laughs> you are going to be Let's begging go. Let's for get water. Finished, you are going to be begging for water, bro. You're going to be like, yeah. That would be sick. Especially if we're both fit, it would be still hard for both of us. 100%. 100%. Yeah. It's so beautiful, too, because the water is so clear. Because mm. it's not sand. It's, it's like, it's stone. So it's like, ah, oh, it's, it's insane. What has been, I do want to finish it up. So it's not too, too long of an episode. What has been your favorite, favorite moment of the podcast and your memories of it? And what are, what, I guess, what are you most excited for moving forward to see on the podcast yourself? You know, I just love the fact that it was such an amazing experience to just get away from the normal daily routine and mm -hmm. to just sit down and have a meaningful conversation about anything, whether it came to our minds in the moment or whether we planned it beforehand, just to talk about what's going on with our lives, what's going on in the world, but also to display that to the public and have people listen to it is such a whole different I, you know, bonus to it almost. The fact that people would want to listen to that too. It's an amazing concept. I mean, it makes sense why there's a lot of podcasts because it's an, it's, a, it's such an amazing um, it's such an amazing creative outlet to use because mm. it's like it's just conversation. Like to say that you're a podcast host is to say that you know how to have insane conversations. Mm. Yeah, you know? I feel that. I do feel that. Yeah. And the more and more that you have podcasts, I feel like the better you get at co having conversations that are intellectual, not just like, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. You, you know, ones that talk about deep topics, ones that are hard to even answer on the spot, you know? Right. Yeah. Topics that make you go. Why? I love I love when I can walk away. My favorite conversations or my favorite TV shows or anything are ones that make me have a brain freeze almost to try and comprehend what I just went. Right. No. Yes. You know seriously. I mean? Seriously. No, those are the best. Yeah. Those are seriously the best. Those are the greatest moments. No, no, no. Like, yeah. You know, it's honestly insane. Um, and I know you'll definitely defer from this. This is really weird that I'm talking about this, but I'm watching an old show that I used to watch when I was younger. I've realized it's actually a lot smarter than I thought it was. Which and you're going to definitely disagree with this, but hear me out because I want to bring up a specific example. SpongeBob. <laughs> oh. Oh. So there's um, there's this one that I watched recently, but there's also a YouTube video that I watched beforehand that talks about how this one episode of SpongeBob literally tackles the concept of existential nihilism. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah. And it like pretty much does after really rewatching it. It's like, it's insane. So it's like for, for anyone that knows the episode, it's SB one, two, nine is the episode and it's called SpongeBob one, two, nine. So it's, it's pretty much this episode where it starts with Squidward wanting to be alone. So that way he can play his clarinet, but SpongeBob and Patrick just don't leave him alone and stuff like that. So he literally, he literally runs off to the Krusty Krab and gets in the freezer and they don't find him. So he's clear, but then he's locked. And so he's like, oh, don't worry. I'll be out in no time. 
And then it's like 2000 years later. And then he's in the future and everything is chrome and shit. And there's multiple SpongeBob's and stuff like that. And, and then he's like, I got to get out of here. So then he goes into the time machine, goes into the past where it's like literally like complete desolate, like everything. And then he finds, he finds like the ancient versions of the people. And then he teaches them how to do the same activity that he didn't want to do with them in the present. And then he gets in and then he gets alone time to play the clarinet. But then the, he's so horrible that the past versions of them go, go towards him and like attack, to, to try to attack him. So he goes back into the time machine and then it breaks. And then he goes into absolute nowhere where he's absolutely nowhere and everywhere at the same time. And it then explores the concept where like, literally he says the word alone and then it sp- spells out alone. And then all these, I different think alones, I've seen this episode, all these different alones come out and then it goes smaller and smaller and smaller because he's getting obsessed with the fact that when you have nothing, like when you're completely alone and everything, it's like, absolutely. It, yeah. Yeah. It's, I I should send you the video because it explains it much more in depth. It's it's quite interesting though. Like SpongeBob really tackles a lot of real adult life shit that happens. Sure. That's wasn't the reason it, why wasn't it's it geared the, to be an adult show at first. Yeah. 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 Oh, definitely. It was one of the first Nickelodeon shows where majority of the people watching it were 18 to 34 year olds. That's wild. And I watched that as a kid. It's so weird how that so might much- be why you like Rick and Morty and throws like that. Like it was built into your side. Yeah, I love. Oh, yeah. I mean, I loved Family Guy as a kid and mm-hmm. I love The Simpsons. Like mm-hmm. cartoons were so common when I was growing up. I watched every single one you could imagine. Like, wow. I know <laughs> it's just so hilarious. Yeah, I grew up. I, I just grew up on TV. I watched so many TV shows. I know so many like old TV shows because my dad used to watch a lot. Like, it's interesting. All the shows that you watched, I never watched as a kid, <laughs> but I watched so many other TV shows. Sure, you are you are a big fanatic for a great cinema experience, whether that be oh, yeah. television or movie. Which oh yeah, great. I enjoy the whole spectacle. I enjoy the production yes. side. I enjoy everything about it. Yeah, I always enjoyed. I love analyzing shows from a production side. That's that the reason, so honestly, cool. why I love going to amusement parks now is because I love seeing the experience that you are trying that they are trying to give. How realistic is it? How immersive is it? I had a mind-boggling realization that, like, an amusement park is the one place you pay to get CT. What's CT? The brain. The brain. Uh, when you brain trauma from. Like football Did you get players, brain yeah, from the whiplash of roller coasters. Oh, I got well, yeah, if you're not fucking careful, yeah, it's like the one pace place you pay to have your brain smashed around your skull, yeah. I mean, which is wild to think about that. I we mean, are so exhilarated as consumers, we would pay you could say that about pay to play football. No, literally, like that's another example. That's another prime example of activities that like we love to endure that just cause heavy CT. We love to just we love to just get in crowds and watch people get CT. <laughs> we do. 
we do as a species, but there's but something it, but animalistic like that. Like a that. ram. Rams do that. Crowds at amusement parks to get CT, but it's just everyone gets it. But or you could be in a fight where you're all watching two people or get a few CT. people get CT. But in general, or, or or a few people get CT in the audience. You know, anything's possible. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. This is fascinating. Yeah, I've never thought about it that way. But when you put it that way, it's very interesting. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's quite interesting. Just like how much we just care. We just love when people just get hit. You know, a final note love, about we love seeing violence. It's something that is like do. literally from our Roman era has stayed with us. I think boxing, by the way, is going to make a huge comeback very soon. Also, by the way, didn't that fight happen in Cleveland today with Logan Paul? Holy shit, is it the 29th? No, no, I thought it was the 25th. No, 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 no. It's the 29th. Sunday the 29th is the fight. Right? I can't even imagine. It's probably so expensive. It is. Tickets were ridiculously priced. But I do think you're right. I think between the Paul social media and stuff, boxing can make a really big comeback right now. Oh, it definitely. Has the opportunity to. Oh, it totally will. Logan On that Paul, idea of YouTubers, YouTubers and influencers, I think, are more going to be the people that are running the boxing world. Yeah. I, I don't agree. think they're going to be. I mean, there might there might be some actual Because influencers promote better than boxers could. It's true. They understand that. Oh, game. my gosh, bro. The social media... The social media giants, bro, are so good at what they do. It's not even funny. But that's the thing that, like, you ever wonder, like, if your entire life's on camera, you're just, like, constantly recording. It's like, what's your downtime like? Right. And what's how much your, like, do you like, not your time on camera like? Right. You ever wonder about that? Like, I, I always just wonder, like, what exactly it's like to just not, not have any privacy. Everything you do is on camera in some form, but you also have to be secretive about certain stuff getting out. It's like, how do you control that? How do you control the amount of money? Like the amount of money that like someone like Mr. Beast makes is kind of insane. He makes like hundreds of millions of dollars a month. Hmm. Like that's insane. Like the amount of money that he gives out in his videos. It's, and that's the thing, like he's form. tapped a market, bro. He's tapped a niche market in YouTube. Yeah. No one will ever want to do what Mr. Beast. No one will ever want to do it because now everyone will say, "Oh, you're copying Mr. Beast." Like David Dobrik. David Dobrik does it, bro. What amount of work that takes to do? Yeah, but Mr. Beast has it down now to a science. True, he does. He does. He understands. No, but that's the thing I love about Mr. Beast than anyone. That's the thing I love about Mr. Beast is that his main goal was I want to be the biggest YouTuber. And he didn't care how he was going to get there. He just wanted to help people and be the biggest YouTuber. And what do you know? He did it. It's fascinating. I love driven people once they find what their passion is. And I exploring that. I know that Casey Neistat very much. I know that Casey Neistat is in awe of Mr. Beast. He is. He has to be. I mean, as for the amount of subscribers, himself? I want to see how many subscribers Mr. Beast has now. Like, because. He like he had three years. Scientists, they are social three scientists. Years, and they're at three years ago, he had ten million subscribers, I think, which is like I think close to what Casey Neistat has. Now he has 67.2 million. It's insane. But also PewDiePie has the most. 
PewDiePie has like, I don't know how many he has. 110 million. Which is Isn't that hilarious. Freaking. 110 million people get notifications when that man posts. I feel like a lot of people have probably turned off those. Yeah, I would. I think a lot of people are just subscribers just to say that you're a subscriber of PewDiePie. Like, just to do it, just to do it. I get that. But still, though, oh gosh, the amount of YouTube, though, that goes on YouTube, like this video, like this video is going to be on YouTube. And like the amount of videos that are literally uploaded per day is so stagnating. It's not even funny, bro. Mm hmm. It's like, oh gosh, I'm trying to think. I'm looking up right now. I'm trying to see. It's like, mm, people watch wait, people watch more than a billion hours of YouTube a day. Holy crap. The, wow. Like, we can't even count the amount of video that is, like it's so much video that is like a billion hours, bro, is so much, so, so, so much, mm, so much video content. Like how is YouTube even able to keep up with it? That's the thing that I don't even understand. They just have people who are literally operation scenes. Just Total daily hours of video. Yeah. yeah. Um, try to say number of video watched per day, 1 billion. Hours of video uploaded per minute, 500 hours per minute. <laughs> Holy cow. Do you, uh, do you have any final remarks or anything you'd like to say as we finish up this episode? Get yourself more into nature. Explore yourself more is what, it, what, what a human should be. Mm. I think that is something that is truly lost in this society just slightly. We still have a lot of it. I feel like where I work, there's a lot of great community, but we need to, you need to, we need to collaborate more as humans. We need to do things that we're more in human blood, like being in nature, doing things together in terms of work, doing things in, together in terms of helping better society mm. instead of just doing the same things over and over and over and over again just in the same format like technology is growing at such a rapid rate but humans are still staying ancient as they always have been and it should be the opposite and so stick away stay 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 the most stay the most human that you can be mm. that's a great sentiment to finish us out wow episode 50 jake we're gonna call it there it's in the books Folks, thank you for joining us. Jake, you, Jake, thank you so much for being back on. Yeah, this is a great podcast. Very okay. solid. We're going to have more of them. I mean, bro, this is just, you know, the beginning. Like, I, I want to do this thing for life. So there's so much oh, yeah. still to explore for a show. So oh, definitely, super man. Super exciting. Definitely. Thank you for joining me for a special, like, 50th sit down. I'm really happy we got to talk here. And Yeah, uh, I was really happy we could talk too, man. Yeah, talk this to you later. Been awesome. Peace. Peace.